Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 65, and I'm joined by filmmaker Chris Ware-Smets, who's known for films like The Last Hitman, The Overlookers, and short films Flung, and This Is Not What You Had Planned. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Caddyshack. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this movie... um but not for a really long time, and I don't have a great memory of it. Okay. Uh, I'm Chris Smets, and I've only seen this movie in bits and pieces over the years. Like clip shows? No, no. I feel like I've seen it. I remember I remember seeing it when it first came on, or parts of it when it first came on TV as a kid, like when probably played like ABC or CTV or something, which would have been a much, uh, you know, cut down version. So you're like a three quarters virgin for this movie. I would say, yeah, I've just seen. You know what? For some reason, I feel like at one point I rented it from, or not rented it, but I bought it from the library and didn't get all the way through it for whatever reason. Like I watched part of it and then something. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know why. You didn't I, get ne- through, yeah. I never got through it. I'm, I'm sure I watched like a TV version of this at some point as a kid. And I remember enough. Like, I remember the Gopher. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like Bill Murray's character. But uh, Chris is wearing Bill Murray socks for the occasion. In in honor of the film. Yeah, they're really great. Yeah, and and, and Carl Spackler, his character from Caddyshack, is... Is right there. And that's a measure of how much this has sunk into the culture that I actually know his character's name, even though I've never actually watched the film the entire way through. Wow, there you go. I didn't know his character's name. (laughs) Uh, Didn't in the sequel, didn't like Belushi play this character? I don't know. Well, Dan Aykroyd was in the sequel. Maybe that's who did it. And Jackie Mason... That played could have been it. sort of a version of a Dangerfield character. Yeah, yeah. There's a long, there's a whole other story about the Caddy, the Caddyshack sequel. Yeah. Well, you, and so you were inspired to rewatch this because you, you either you're reading or you heard of a book. Yeah, there were two things. One was I was at a, um, I, I took my my kids to a, a party, like a, like a, like a kid birthday party last weekend, and one of like the parents had a copy of this new book written by Chris Nashawathi from. EW about the making of Caddyshack and some thick books. I'm like, wow, this is actually there's a lot, a lot to, to yeah dissect there. And then maybe a day or two later, uh, the podcast The Canon did an episode about Caddyshack with one of the writers from Crack Magazine. So I'm like, okay, Caddyshack is in the air, and this is weird that I've actually never seen this thing all the way through because I feel like it's it it really is. I mean, it is part of the canon. Comedy wise, for a lot of people, no, it totally is. And this so this is the trifecta. You you sitting down to watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's definitely one of those classic, cla- especially summer comedies. Uh, and last summer we we watched Meatballs on the podcast, right? So that's another uh, and Bill Murray as well. Oh yeah. So we're uh, this is our sequel to that podcast and our, had, our summer Bill Murray movie. Yeah. Well, no way. Have you had you ever seen Have you seen this unedited or only a TV TV version of this? The Caddyshack. Yeah. Don't remember. See, that's the thing. That's it's interesting. Like, I couldn't even tell you. I know. I know. Like, who's in it? <laughs> I know all those kind of things. I couldn't tell you the story. Yeah. Was, and if and if there is one, I don't know if it's one of those movies where <laughs> there isn't really much of a story yeah. either, and it's just like a, a, a collection of sequences of jokes. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I know it's like Chevy Chase is is big in it, um, but I don't know. I know Dangerfield, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but don't know a ton about it other than that. Do you remember anything about it? Like, what's your first memory of it as a kid? I remember... Probably popping up on TV? I don't want to say anything, because I don't okay. want to wreck it, but I remember... Uh, I can I can talk about that after, the okay, stuff okay. that I remembered. But I remember, you know, the mostly the Bill Murray stuff probably is what I remember the most, but I don't know if that's from having seen it, or just having seen those clips on other things. Yeah, because they do... Play those clips. They get around. Um, and I... I remember something about, I think there's a, a chase sequence involving golf carts at some point. See, I don't even know. But I, that might yeah, not, yeah, yeah, exactly. It that might be, not that be true could, either. That could be in Caddyshack too. That could be, I don't think, I'm, I for sure have not seen Caddyshack too. No, I, I think I've maybe seen a bit of it years ago, like on t- maybe like five minutes of it on TV. Yeah. Um, my only, my first memory of it was just as an ad in the newspaper. Because I'm old enough to remember right. when there were ads for. Oh, Caddyshack. I remember like, the the, po- like, the the cartoon like poster probably. Okay, but I remember it was restricted, and I was, and I was thinking, why is this restricted? Because I was a big my my family and I watched Mary Tyler Moore every night. Ted Knight's in the movie, and I'm like, Ted Knight's in this movie. Why is it rated R? What's going on in this film that I can't go see it? Yeah. So I was intrigued by that. Well, that was almost just a staple of of comedies of that era too. It could yeah, be rated yeah. R. Uh, you know, because it's the adult comedy. Right. So what are your expectations of this movie? Uh, honestly, yeah. I think my expectations are sort of set kind of mid-range. I feel like this is the kind of film that you probably had to see it at a younger age. To appreciate it now? I feel, yeah. I, I feel like that it's going to be... Sexist and racist. We're going to be... We're gonna, yeah, there's going to be a... I, I was trying to get... I actually was like texting... Jess Greco to see if she could come out and give us some today's her birthday I know I said and she said maybe I'll come by and I'll be really drunk and I was like great that that's might, fine that might work out for the movie yeah <laughs> but I thought it'd be great to have that extra extra you know uh, context from, yeah. from a woman looking at it in, in you know 2018 we'll call it out too yeah, oh well no but, we will we will not, for yeah, sure we will it, for sure but it's not the same yeah Yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm my, my expectations are kind of set in the middle I know I know it's going to be fun uh, but yeah, I'm 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 willing to be surprised. Yeah, I'm going in with super low expectations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that way, it can't do anything but maybe delight me a yeah. little bit. Well, also because everybody, I mean, I think we had a couple of people react pretty over the top on Facebook when we said we were doing this. Oh, I don't remember <laughs> that in, in a negative way. Copus, no, it was Copus said basically we shouldn't we should be ashamed of ourselves for having not seen it. Having not seen it, we shouldn't leave our homes until we've watched it. I don't believe in shaming people. No, for, no, for and black you do hole. I. Yeah, never. never. There's a, you celebrate the black holes by watching them. Yeah, exactly. Which we are going to do right now. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we just finished. We just finished Caddyshack. And? Uh, it was about, it landed about where I figured it was going to land. Yeah. For me. And you know what? Despite, you know, there was definitely they there was definitely some misogyny, some sexism, all the stuff I expected. Yeah. Not nearly as much as I expected. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I expected to groan a lot more at certain yeah. things. Yeah. Part of it is just how irreverent Chevy Chase is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I kind of want to read that book your friend has. What's it called again? It's called I think the, it's called The Making the of Making Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Yeah. Because part of me always wonders with movies like this, and especially when you've got like Harold Ramis, who is kind of one of the forefront of those improv guys, yeah, throwing the script away. Like when they made no, it was Ivan Reitman, but yeah, but he wrote Meatballs, right? Uh, I think it was um, uh, 
Len Bloom. Did, yeah, and that's, he also that's did, true. did Stripes too, right? Um, but he comes from that school of just throwing stuff up and see what works. Yeah, I wonder how many of those lines of of Chevy's are scripted. Yeah, I wouldn't, because uh, so many of them just feel off the cuff. Oh yeah, like it feels like I could believe there's a version of the script where his character was so much more earnest. And then he just did the exact opposite line. <laughs> like that, there's a great line at the end when uh, he says, "Don't worry, kid. If you miss this, then we lose." <laughs> and, you're, and you're expecting you know, some beautiful motivational thing, but he <laughs> well, they, they feel like Chevy Chase lines. Yeah, there's but, also but, that. But at the same time, I mean, you there's know, a reason for that. They could be they could be writing that to his strengths. Although I do believe there was probably a lot of improv. Who you got do, it. Who do you think did improv the most? I I would almost believe that Bill Murray's character had no yeah. nothing in the script and everything was just him figuring it 100%. out. 100%. Because, because it almost like it swings wildly from scene to scene and even line to line in terms of almost like the char- the, the, the presentation of the character's intelligence and yes. wit, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that they had no game plan going in for that character yeah, yeah. outside of... Like, just there's that sequence when he's hitting the, the flowers and pretending to be a golfer. <laughs> right. Like, I imagine they just walked by this area. And, and he was, and, or he was doing that, and they're like, well, let's show you doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there's so, it's interesting. It is one of those, I, I, I wondered when we were talking about it before, whether or not yeah. this would be one of those movies where it's just a sequence of random scenes. Although there's a story. There is a story. You know, to some extent. Yeah. Uh, I would like. To, I look. I had to look it up because I was curious. By the end, by the end, they're playing for eighty thousand dollars a head. Right. Which I, I had to look at the inflation calculator for that, and that's about a quarter quarter million dollars today. Right. Oh wow. Uh, so no small change. Yeah, yeah. So even when they start off, and their their first bet is twenty, I think. Yeah. So that's you know. That's a, that's yeah. It's a fair amount. It's still not a small bet. <laughs> by by any stretch of the imagination. So one would hope that you know. Uh, you know, Rodney Dangerfield's character having just won a quarter million dollars is going to put this kid through college. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he needs it because you establish early on that he really needs that. And there's a lot of those, like that's it, like there's actually a lot more story here than you would think. Right? Like he need, you know, this is somebody who comes from a big family. There's, they have like 12 kids or something. Yeah, and cousins living there yeah, that they, they, they aren't even, even aware know. of. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Great. So, I was actually, the thing I was surprised by, or maybe not surprised by, but uh, there's a lot about this movie that, to me that feels like the kinds of movies that the writers probably watched growing up. It has a very like 1930s, 40s, even like 50s feel to it of like this sort of, you know, there's like a Marx Brothers quality to it. Oh, especially with Dangerfield. With Dangerfield, for sure. He, well, he's and, just doing his act. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then Ted Knight is kind of like the, the you know, what, what's her name? Like Margaret Dumont, like the woman who is, who's always Groucho's foil in those movies where she's always completely offended by everything that he does. Yeah. You know? But, and there's something about the Ted Knight character that he really could have just stepped out of like, like a 1940s comedy. Yeah. You know, like a... 
But it's interesting. Is so you see the influences of of who they. I mean, you look at there's a, there's a generation of filmmakers now that are influenced by movies like Caddyshack. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. And so you start tracing these influences back. Yeah. Like you're saying that, and this is their version of filtering that. And and so now you've, and what's fresh about that is like this, this Chevy Chase character. Yeah. And these other things. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You can definitely see those broad strokes of that kind of stuff inside of this. And the, and the, the vaudevillian quality to some of the, these gags. Oh, absolutely. Even well, just, well, just the, you know, the, 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 the minister uh, who dies playing his best game of golf ever when he's electrocuted during a thunderstorm. <laughs> uh, there's that great bit when Bill Murray's like, I think you should play through. I think, I, I, think, I think the heavy stuff's not even near us yet. <laughs> That's a great sequence. And all, and we laughed a lot through the movie. There were some really great moments and great sequences, I thought. Even yeah. though there's a lot about this very ramshackle, and I'm sure... You know, we're both editors. There's a lot we were noticing in there where it's like, I mean, at one point there's a there's a dinner going on at night, and Chevy Chase and Cindy Morgan are like on the stairs, and it's obviously nighttime. But they cut to Bill Murray, and it's and it's day. Yeah, it's, it's day clearly for night. It's clearly maybe darkened day. It looks like it might be sunset where he is. Yeah, and it doesn't because at first I thought, oh, oh, I guess it's like summertime, so it could be still daylight out. And then I'm like, wait a sec, no, no, the, no, no. The car yeah. is, in the, everything else is in darkness except for Bill Murray. How do you? How do they fuck that up? How, how? <laughs> I think it's just like who cares at that point. I think it's one of these things. It is the kind of movie where you can smell a certain layer of coke on it. Well, that's that's one of the things that uh, came out of this this canon episode, the podcast, where they talked about how because the movie was shot down in Florida in like 1979, 1980, basically it was just like a party, a coke highway. It was all coming in to the country there, and everybody, I guess, except for Ted Knight, was just doing a lot of cocaine on the set. So it was just yeah, it really was like a massive party all the time. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I liked, there's, there's a lot I liked about it. I mean, yeah. there's the, but it's interesting, even though it, it had some, you know, the, the care, getting into like the racial stuff, the misogyny yeah. stuff. Uh, there's that one moment where the guy, he starts telling, you know, a clearly racist joke, but then the, what is that? The guy, he's kind of, he's a masseuse, but he's also, he cleans their shoes. Uh, Yeah kind of all-around helper yeah 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 uh you know he he makes a comment about he, you know this older black gentleman uh overhears them telling a joke about a a, a black fella i think yeah, is the yeah. way they describe yeah, it yeah. the joke and so he starts destroying his shoes yeah so it's almost it's interesting because it's like the movie's aware of it oh yeah oh yeah those comments are only coming from the rich characters like when when the grandson makes the joke of where he got or not even a joke the comment where he got the good pot from yeah you know and uh he's meant to be ignorant oh the grandson is a great foil eric trump yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) total yeah what a great character who's just totally shit on (laughs) your grandfather hates him yeah yeah. get your foot off the boat (laughs) oh yeah i thought that was he but it's funny i mean for all for all uh that this movie has more of a of a plot than you think it's going to, and more of a of a structure. 
there's a lot that just kind of seems like it's it's been you like don't need left it at all. on. Not that it's never like left on. The things just like go nowhere. Well, like, there's that whole um, there's that whole scene with, and I think it's the only scene they're together in the movie with when Chevy Chase comes in to get his ball from Bill Murray's shack slash yeah. house. You don't need that scene no. at all. The only reason you had that scene in the movie is because the audience wants to see a scene with those two together. Right. And it almost feels like they realized halfway through production, oh shit, we don't have a scene with Bill and Chevy. What could we do? We gotta do something. And there was a lot, already a lot of tension with those guys because Chevy Chase had left SNL and Bill Murray had come in and, you know, I don't think they did... Bill Murray didn't like Chevy Chase. And I think it was like, like, like a fist fight or something that happened on the set of SNL prior to this. So and that I didn't know that. That's yeah. great. So this would have been fraught with tension when they shot it. And it, what's funny too, I sort of realized halfway through, it's so rare to see Bill Murray playing a role like this. That's so caricatured and just sort of like he usually would play the, the Chevy Chase parts. Yeah. Right. So in that scene, I was thinking this is interesting because he's almost like, and and Bill Murray probably knows that because they're kind of in the same hit. You know, they're, yeah, they have, they're right. the very same t- same type. Same type. So he, he, it's almost like he's going out of his way as an actor in that scene to just do whatever he can to just like throw Chevy Chase off. It, but it you, works. I, yeah, like I wonder how much of that is scripted, how much of it is just improving with like two or three cameras. Like I have no idea if it, was, if it was shot in that kind of like you know like did they shoot things back then in that sort of Apatow way where just you hose it down and you get as much improv as possible I don't know I'd be curious to know yeah. if they had a second camera on some of those things yeah you'd think with com- comedy of this variety especially when you've got Dangerfield doing his first movie probably is not very directable I'm gonna assume <laughs> you know right it's the other thing about mo- doing. I can't imagine doing a movie with all this this, this giant group because it must just be like herding cats. That's that's what I that's the impression I got. You know, and yeah. just to the extent where at least Ramus was one of their kind. Yeah. You know, so he probably got away with it, or at least knew when to step in and when to step back and let them do their thing. That's really the trick I think to directing a movie like this is knowing when to get the fuck out of their way and when to come in with suggestions. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just gonna shut down. Right. Because there's also, I mean, there's some big stunts in this movie. There's ridiculous stunts. And, that and, whole boat sequence. Yeah. I was, I was thinking when they, they tip over this giant platform of people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the demographics of people on that platform. Those are not stunt performers. Oh, yeah. Those look like just extras. <laughs> yeah. It's, and then you have the the, uh, the jet skiers and the other boats. And, and that's a big scene. And again, you're, there's no, there's no, the, when the plane goes low over Dangerfield's boat, that's not like a... It's not a CGI plane. No. Like, it's just, it's flying low. Even when they blow up the golf course at the yeah. end. Yeah. That, that's not CGI. Oh, yeah. They didn't CGI the it, holes in the no, explosions. they're right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's not like John Landis level chaos. It's not the Blues Brothers, which I think is kind of like the high watermark for this time. It came out the same year. Yeah. And I mean, I think those those stunts still are like, mind-blowing when you watch them now. Uh, but at the same time, like, for a guy's, you know, this this is Harold Ramis making his first movie, so to de- be dealing Was with Was this these, Harold Ramis' first oh, yeah, directing? It, as, as a director, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Because he had written, he was a co-writer on yep. Animal House. 
I wouldn't be surprised. But anyway, yeah. what were you saying? You were uh, about oh, just about Raymond. Yeah, but the fact that he has to not only corral these personalities, but then orchestrate these massive, massive stunts. It's true. Well, it's not a small movie by any means. Yeah. You know, it's really, really impressive in that regard. Yeah. I'm just pulling up his director. Yeah, well, he'd written a ton of stuff. Well, he was one of the Lampoon guys, right? Uh, I don't he has was... a writing credit on Meatballs. Yeah, and he was he was on the first couple and seasons House. of SCTV, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely got an Airheads. I'm just going, oh, Harold Ramis. Yeah. What a... And it's interesting, Stripes and all these, oh, his career. But it's interesting because he and Murray had that famous falling out during Groundhog Day. Right, which is sad because I think that's such a great... I forgot that he directed four episodes of The Office. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, Caddyshack was the first movie he directed. Yeah, I would say, you know, because I always think of him and any profile I ever read of Harold Ramis... You know, he was always, uh, he always came across as a very intelligent guy and a very, you know, emotion, but not just, not just in terms of book smarts, but emotionally intelligent. And I think, you know, talking about the way that, say, race is handled in the movie, even in those little moments, um, it does feel like that some of that comes through, even though he's probably like a much younger man, he, he maybe hasn't, you know, lived enough to you know, to have developed his point of view, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel nihilistic. No, it doesn't, but it's also, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it, it, you know, we are, here we are, we're two Caucasian men talking yeah, about this, yeah. but I think it's also, there's a weird expectation at the time. Mm-hmm. I think where you've got a movie like this where it's going to be R-rated, so it means that you're going to have some drug humor. Yeah. You know, at, at this point, the studio is probably even asking for one of the girls has to be topless. Of course, you know there's got to be yeah. some breasts on the screen. This is the, this is the, the tropes that the audience is expecting that the filmmakers probably have to deliver on no matter what. Uh, not to say that they one of the, the the things on the checklist would have been racist remarks, right? But it certainly wouldn't have been frowned upon. Well, the National Lampoon was well known for not being you know politically correct and and you know in retrospect especially not very. Uh, um, intelligent about the way race and and women were portrayed. Yeah. You know. Well, it's interesting. Even Rodney Dangerfield's character in another movie would be the villain. But right. it's only because Ted Knight is worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, but he's, he's kind of like this weird... He's kind of this weird combination of like the slob... And the, not I mean, not a snob, but he's, he's a slob who's, who's extremely rich. He's the nouveau riche guy. Yeah. So he gets to kind of play both sides... It's true. It's an, yeah. Well, he's an interesting because he's yeah. It's a little he, wish fulfillment. It's true. There is that to it you too. Know? Uh, but it's interesting. But even like Bill Murray's character is racist. He he has yeah. some comments. He's super got some creepy shit going on when oh, it comes yeah. to females. Yeah, yeah. And when we meet him, he's faux masturbating. Yeah. With the balls. Yeah. Uh, his character would be played totally. Well, I don't think his character would exist in a, in a new version of this movie anymore. No. I think you'd just play him... You'd play him more like the uh, uh, the Rain Wilson character in The Office. Yeah. You know? Or he'd be this really anarchic, like, Danny McBride character. 
Yes. You know, where you just couldn't rein this guy in. But Oh, that's exactly right? who you cast in yeah. the remake of Caddyshack. Yeah, but you would not have this sort of leering. That That is, you're right. That is one of the one aspect of the film that I think definitely, as much as we all love Bill Murray, that does not hold up very well, the sort of like weird leering creepiness. I will say, and th- and you know, and this is with absolute love for Bill Murray. Yeah. There's a, if you go through a lot of his early filmography, yeah. there's some weird leery creepy shit in it like that whole sequence in Ghostbusters when he goes to visit Sigourney Weaver's mm-hmm. house for the first time he's coming on pretty strong in a way that's not pleasant it's it's kind of uncomfortable to watch that scene now yeah uh, but at the time I mean it, it was just seen as char- charming goofball you know nobody would have would have flagged that at the time as being creepier leering because he ends up with the girl yeah, and she allows it, but that but she allows it because she, you know she's being directed and written by men. Well, and that is such a big, you know, flaw in so many of these movies. When you go back and look at them, the, the, the you know, where they're practically stalkers or, you know, are just re- are acting in a way that you could never get away with today. Mm. You know that 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 in retrospect is is. Uh, but to that problematic. point, let's talk about the female characters in this movie, which yeah. are the, there's two. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. also both white. Yeah. Uh, well, do you, do you count, do we count, uh, Ted Knight's wife? Do we? I don't know. The, I mean, what, she's referred to in the most derogatory ways by Dangerfield. Right. Uh, okay. So let's talk about, we got Maggie. Maggie, who, here's the thing. I loved, I mean, I liked both the female characters. Yeah, me too. In that, they didn't really feel like tropes in an no. interesting way. Because yeah. Maggie is just your girl next door, looks looks kind of like a tomboy. Yeah. Is a tomboy. Is Scottish. I love that about her. Um, doesn't wear makeup. Is an average looking girl. And, and I, I really love that that was the relationship. Uh, but even, you know, you got a sense when, when she thought she was pregnant that she's like, hey, look, you're not the only guy I'm with. Right. You know, I like that about it because especially when he cheated on, when when you think he's cheating on her, but you realize, oh, they're not really in a committed relationship. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. They're just being young and free and... It's the 70s. It's the 80s. Well, it made me yeah. feel better about it because yeah. I was like, what? And, but he even said, he's like, look, I was being shitty. And she's like, look, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. You know, they clearly have this kind of open open thing. But even the, uh, the niece, what was her name? Oh, yeah. Uh, Lacey Underall. Of course, her name's Lacey Underall. <laughs> uh, and she's but, great. Cindy Morgan, who was in Tron, went on to do Tron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But she comes off, you know, and she's the one that shows the token nudity. Right. Uh, as well as whoever that, uh, the caddy was that was in the pool. Oh, the right. <laughs> oh, let's come back Random. to the, the baby Ruth scene. Okay, yeah. Let's come back to some of the key scenes. Yeah. But, um, but I like that she was just this promiscuous woman. And, yeah. and she wasn't, you know... Unapologetic about it. Yeah, there was no slut-shaming about it. <coughs> Chew. I mean, she kind of disappears by the end. This is another one of these yeah. things I'm talking about where the, the thread kind of gets dropped. Yeah. However... But uh, it's just casually mentioned, even like yeah. the judge uh, just mentions that, you know, my niece is kind of uh, promiscuous. Yeah. But he doesn't really have a huge... <laughs> It's interesting. I just like the way it's handled very yeah. nicely. Because she, you have you know two scenes in very close proximity to each other, where she's with uh, Chevy, yeah, and then she's with, uh, with the caddy. What's his name again? Uh, with uh, 
Danny. Danny. Is Danny, yeah. Danny Noonan. Uh, and no one's judgmental about it. Nobody calls her a slut or... or I, so there's I, never that scene that, that scene that would be in a film now where, where there's like that, that going into the third act dramatic scene where there's like sort of a, you know, a breakdown between characters and, and yeah, the, one of them calls, calls the other one a slut or, or why, you know, I really liked you, why did this happen? Like, they did none of that, which is really refreshing. It's just, it's just, it's just pure, it's comedy and character and it doesn't have, feel a need to go down that road, which is, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, for especially for a big broad comedy like this, it's a nice little nuance to it. Right. That's interesting. Alright, big scenes. Uh the I forgot if I had seen here's I didn't remember a title of this movie, so when I saw it I must have been really young mm-hmm. and so much of it must have went over my head. I don't didn't even remember the baby roof scene. Oh really? Oh what a great scene. Yeah, yeah, it's a great scene. I even though you saw as soon as that that I wonder how they didn't get sued by that. Because clearly someone in the, in the writing just went, this chocolate bar looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> and they went, wait a minute, I have a great right, idea. Right, how do you get that clear but, uh, from, you know, the, the, the chocolate company? Okay, so we're going to, how are we using our candy? You know, how, how's our product being, being showcased? Well, I bet you, but here's the thing, I yeah. bet you at some point... It was just a common thing that people probably said, yeah, that chocolate looks like a, a log of right, shit. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> and so they went, well, nobody's, nobody's saying it tastes bad. So there's that. We already know what it looks like. We're not going to hide that. Yeah. I mean, what a great advertisement for it. I mean, I always wonder because the other, the other thing is, is when you watch so many movies from this time period, there's so much like... It's not even product placement. It's just literally like like stuff that's in the frame. And oh, I bet you they didn't even, even clear it. Clear it. The Coke. I mean, maybe the Coke, but Coca Cola. Yeah. <laughs> not the not the the cocaine that was you know on every table. Uh, yeah, I, I I would imagine they didn't even clear. It. I imagine they just, they just like threw it in there and 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 I think it was I don't think it was an E and O back then. Was there? Like I don't feel like it was an issue. Not the way there is now. No. Not the way. Yeah, I bet you they just did it and. Just if and had some money set aside for a lawsuit. Should they need one? <laughs> should the need arise? I wonder. I, yeah, but it kind of maybe you want to have a baby roof in a weird way. Maybe like, oh, looks right. Like, yeah, looks kind of good. Check. He's enjoying it. Well, Bill it, Murray it, likes it. The sequence ends with Bill Murray eating. Going, it's not a bad. It's like the longest Super Bowl ad for baby roof ever. It's such a great scene. They use the Jaws music. Yeah, uh, and that would have been. I mean, the Jaws theme song is known as one of the most parodied yeah. scenes of all time but this would have been early on in its parodying career well it's funny because I, when, I, when that came on I thought this is the second movie we've watched for this where there was a Jaws parody and the other one was in 1941 yes yeah, Spielberg doing his, his, own, his own parody the only other one I can think of from this period is, is the beginning of Airplane which I, is one, another one of my black holes no yeah I've not seen oh, Airplane oh okay alright I'm not going to say but uh, yeah I wonder how many other ones there were from this time period that's interesting. Uh, well, that was a scene. Okay, so this is we we talked a little bit about, about this movie at the beginning, about our first memories of it. So, if my first memory was seeing the poster or seeing the ad in the paper, one of the subsequent ones would probably have been being in like grade, I don't know, four or five, and another kid on the playground who'd probably seen it on VHS or on cable, telling me about that scene, describing the, scene? the duty scene. <laughs> it's a great scene. It's a great scene. Yeah, like the things that I remember, I remember the explosion. Yeah. I remember yeah, I remember all that kind of stuff. I remember the I remember the image 
of the washing him washing the balls yeah and and the phallicness of that being used as a as a meme somewhere uh and knew that it was part of Caddyshack lore mm-hmm. and that's it's about it i think i probably watched it as a as a when i was probably my son's age now or at 8 or 9 yeah and probably a lot of it went over my head and i didn't really love it and the guinea and the uh, the guinea pig <laughs> the gopher I remember that really clearly from the very first television airing because all of a sudden this like there's a gopher puppet on screen and I'm like what the fuck like, you know, oh I, and I'm sure like, I'm like nine ten years old I'm nine years ten back then too yeah and the yeah. gopher would have been the, one of the breakout things of this yeah. movie people yeah. love that gopher so I remember that from the first time it was on TV and I remember you know later on the the priest getting hit by lightning but at the time <laughs> the I, terrible visual effects terrible visual effects but you know what's funny for the last like. I don't know, 35 years, I thought that was Ted Knight who got hit by lightning. Because as a kid, all I saw was like this, you know, guy with gray hair. Yeah. Hit by, I thought, oh, Ted Knight dies in the movie. So for, the, so it was nice to realize that it actually wasn't him. Because I was, I was hoping he wouldn't get like taken out before the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know? uh, he's great. So you must have realized that as soon as that sequence started. I was like, oh, okay. Okay, unless there's another, another lightning payoff later on, then this is, yeah, this yeah. is going to be the priest gets it. Um, it's interesting. I don't think. I I, I feel like I'd have to like, look it up. I don't feel like looking it up. Yeah. But uh, like the Caddyshack Two is a completely different cast. But it's all the same characters. In I the think world. it is. Yeah, I think it is. It's like I think Jack. Yeah, again, like Jackie Mason was supposed to be the Dangerfield character. Like, I think I just read that Harold Ramis. He did it like it was eighty seven or something eighty eight like late eighties, and they originally wanted to bring back the whole cast. I think. They get Chevy Chase in for one or two scenes. It's eight years later. Okay, it's eighty-eight. Yeah, the yeah. cast is like Jackie Mason, Robert Stack, who would be sort of Jonathan like, Silverman, right? Brian McNamara, Jessica Lundy, Randy Quaid. Yeah, Chevy Chase is in it for one scene. Yeah. Ackroyd's in it, uh, and that seems to be about it. Yeah, my understanding was that they convinced Harold Ramis to come back and write the sequel even though he thought it was a bad idea with the intention that all the actors would be in it the and original then none actors of them were. and then I mean Ted Knight had died a couple years earlier so I think Robert Stack probably was playing the Ted Knight type character Dangerfield's not in it Bill Murray's not in it so you have this the, sort the, of like the trivia I'm reading says Chevy Chase was the only original cast member to return and he instantly regretted it <laughs> <laughs> Well, how can you make that that character in particular seem cool? He just seems sad if you bring him back eight years later, right? Yeah. Well, he was just some kind of rich playboy. He, he yeah. came from family money. Exactly. It seemed like. I love that great scene when she comes over to his place. I, I was going to talk about like, this scene, too. There's, yeah. you know, checks for $70,000 on the table. <laughs> there's a couple of these checks. He's like, oh, just that, you keep it. That one's yours. Yeah, yeah, take one. Uh, but at the same time, that's happening in the background. And in the foreground, he's putting... Two the, Perrier bottles yes. together and so trying to pretend good. the lid's on top. <laughs> and then he and then he pops it so badly. Yeah. I love that whole sequence. That's actually a sequence that I remember seeing um more recently, like on a during a TV area, like flipping channels in, in the afternoon, back when I actually had cable, and coming across that scene and really loving the way that they interact. Like I love that their chemistry in that scene. I think it's really funny. It's very screwball. 
And I really feel like she holds her own with him. She's great in that scene. She's great. There's the the fun bit of him doing the song where he snorts the salt. <laughs> the way he does the tequila yeah. shot and it throws yeah. it over his shoulder. It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're having fun. Even the their little post-sex scene or whatever it is and he's giving oh, the, the background. Oh, the Yeah. Yeah, it's really adorable but, and completely unnecessary. Totally the, unnecessary. Those scenes don't do... You can pull those scenes out of the movie. Oh, yeah. You don't miss a beat. You really don't... Yeah, you don't need that whole arc with them, but it's just, it's just fun. It's fun to watch. Well, his character really only exists to be part of the final... Um, golf game, right? And there's this weird thing that happens at the very beginning of the game where he slams his hand in the car door, right? And instantly, my brain goes, "Oh fuck, he's not gonna be able to play." Yeah, but no, it's dismissed two seconds <laughs> yeah. later. It has no bearing. There's so much on of that, anything. Though. There's so much. But I thought, what a great moment! Yeah, now, I thought, yeah. Because I thought the other thing I did remember is the kid had having to play, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, he plays for Chevy." Yeah. He's like, "No." He just subs in for Dangerfield for no reason other than Dangerfield is not very good. I mean, but wait a sec, though. Is that maybe the reason why they're losing? Because Ty is set up as being this really great player. Is it they never of, show it. They, they never, never show it, right? Is it, was it a, a very poor attempt at setting that up? I think the idea was just that Dangerfield was so bad that he was evening them out. Right, right. Um, or But maybe... Maybe that was just that, and they didn't really execute it very uh, that's, well. That's, but it's a kind of film where it could be either or. You know, because that, that seems a weird... They, or, or it's just a sloppy, like, you know, Chevy Chase as... Joke. As, yeah, Gerald Ford-type gag. And then you forget it. Yeah, exactly. But it seems like in a movie now, that would be a really key moment. And it's like, oh, he's fucked up his hand before the big game. But no, it's just kind yeah, of... Yeah, the guy who is... Throwaway. Who is almost plays a perfect golf game the without zen, trying. The zen of golf, which is... Yeah, like, that's a fun character to watch, actually. And he really is good in it. Because he could... He, I mean, he did a lot of bad movies. It's so interesting. I have a hard time reconciling, you know, super suave, hilarious Chevy Chase with modern Chevy Chase. With, like, community Chevy Chase. Yeah, he just seems like a really out-of-touch old man. Yeah. Where, in his heyday, he was, you know, right on the bubble of everything. Yeah. He had that cutting-edge humor and was way above most people. And he's this tall, uh, fit, handsome guy who can do pratfalls. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's as if uh, Bill Murray kind of (laughs) has had the last laugh. Right, because Bill Murray still, I think, has a. Oh, Bill Murray! Right, he has his a, filmography fared far better than Chevy Chase's in the long run, and he still has a cool cachet. Still now, right? absolutely, like, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, yeah. Where Chevy Chase, I, there's a, you know, nothing against Chevy Chase. Obviously, our kids have like one of those talking dog movies in the house, and he's in it. Oh, right. And that's and it's not that unrecent of a movie, <laughs> but it's also it's the saddest movie. In that you can see clearly they had him for a day or two. Right. That's all they had in the budget for Chevy Chase. And all the scenes are based around one or two locations with him. And so clearly block shot in such an awkward, weird way. Is it one of those Christmas movies? It's like a Christmas talking dog movie. Okay. Cause is it the one with, not the one with Jefferson Brown, is it? I think it is, actually. With Jefferson and Natalie Lashinska? Yeah. Because they told me funny stories about shooting that movie with Chevy Chase. I bet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jefferson is in it. Yeah, yeah. Hi, okay. Jefferson. Yeah, hi, Jefferson. Hey, Natalie. <laughs> uh, I look forward to you telling me the stories. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to bring them in for... It's true. <laughs> or you will. I, we, yeah. uh, you know, we won't. 
We would. Uh, what else? What else? What are the other big sequences that we Oh, doing? God. What else? Well, I mean, I love that. Okay, so I'm going to throw this out to you. I have a friend who I was trying to... I was going to maybe um, uh, bring along tonight my friend James Villeneuve, who is a, who grew up with this film. Um, and uh, he maintains that, he, that, that beyond Bill Murray, beyond Dangerfield, beyond Chevy Chase, that Ted Knight gives like a classic comic performance in this movie. Sure. Where do you stand on that? There's that one great moment that where he's sitting down in his office with Danny and there's like, <laughs> and there's the lamp? the lamp is between them <laughs> and they just play it back and forth and I want to believe that during blocking yeah it was just there cuz the the set deck <laughs> the set decorator put it there not knowing where they would do the blocking and it was just a happy accident yeah cuz if that's something someone thought of at script stage that's brilliant it's so good it's so. It's almost the kind of thing I feel like there's no way someone was that smart to come up with an idea like that at script stage. Yeah. That it just feels like one of those happy accidents on set. I wonder what that was. I mean, the thing about Ted Knight compared to everybody else in the film is he feels like he's the one sort of really seasoned actor. If Dangerfield's doing it for the first time and, you know, Murray and, and Chase are kind of like... Coming out of improv, coming out of yeah, sure, doing doing theater, doing like the National Lampoon show, doing whatever, but they don't have that same. Uh, it's improv versus versus what he Ted oh Knight he's doing, doing something very well. I'll say this about it too, and this this yeah. kind of speaks to that. Yes, absolutely. Like Ted Knight is doing this. He knows ex- Ted Knight knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. at every moment. Yes, uh, and he knows what movie he's in. Yeah, where. And here's the thing, and I say this because the movie does work. Oh, yeah. It shouldn't work. <laughs> because, you know, between Murray and Dangerfield and Chevy and Ted Knight, they're all doing drastically different things. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bill Murray's in his own movie. Bill Murray's literally in his own movie. He literally, it's, a, it's like a short film cut up and, and spliced throughout this movie. It's true. You know? Yeah, you could cut, you could make a 20 minutes short, at a, or probably less, yeah. out of Bill Murray's, <laughs> Murray's. storyline. <laughs> well, that's just it. And Dangerfield is just doing his shtick. Uh, and he literally he says, acts. you get no, no respect at one yeah. point. Did you hear that? Yeah, literally yeah. says that. <laughs> uh, and Chevy is just kind of casually being the cool, awesome guy. Yeah. And Ted Knight is playing a, a, a better version of the mustache twirling guy. Right, and he knows that he's the villain. He knows that he's like the he's guy. He's the heel, yeah. He's the guy. You know what? Like when you think about the actors who play that kind of character, whether it's in you know like John Vernon in Animal House, all the way up to like Jeremy Piven in Old School, and then going back, like going back to like movies from the nineteen thirties or forties, where there's somebody who's gonna like you know some evil developer or some or some evil businessman is gonna shut down Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney's you know thing, and they gotta put on a show. Like he's he is doing the best possible version of that character, but it's interesting too in that as much as there is a story, kind of yeah. Really, I mean, you know, everyone has the only real arc is this kid wanting to have tuition to go to college for he doesn't even know what. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone he talks to, he's interested in something different. So yeah. his plans for the future aren't super solid. And he kind of forgets it pretty quickly at the end where he has to play and be on Chevy Chase's team. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I guess I don't want the scholarship. Well, I guess I'm cheat, so... Uh, like, is that really the only reason why he threw that away? He saw, he saw the judge cheat? No. What was the other reason? I don't know. It just seemed like a really... 
a really lame turnaround. Yeah. But again, like it's sort of stitched together in this ramshackle way and you don't really mind because the stuff that's, that it's leading to is always funny and entertaining. Yeah. But what's interesting is that you don't have the way you would probably have now or should have now, uh, if I'm to criticize the movie mm-hmm. at all, is that it's like, so Ted Knight's character, you know, what, what does he want? What does he need? Not, not, he just wants, he wants, he well, wants to be respected. I guess, I guess he wants to be, it's set up well enough yeah. that he wants to be one of the best golf players at the club, you know, Does but you've got to, you've got to search for that. I feel like, okay, but he also wants, he wants the, the gopher gone and then he kind of, he never ever checks in about the gopher no. again after he, after he goes to Bill Murray at the beginning. You don't even see the gopher being a problem on the golf course <laughs> after that first scene. Right. You see Bill Murray being a problem. Yeah. <laughs> More of a problem than a golf. And then the, uh, uh, but I really, I think it's about this sort of, he's the old money he wants to. Pres- he started the golf course. He wants to preserve it, and he sees Dangerfield's character as encroaching on it. Like he's got, you know, he's building all these condos around it, and, and it, this and guy's coming in and just, you know, spoiling. Yeah, but he, and he makes he makes a throwaway comment at one point about buying the the country club yeah. as well. Yeah. But it's like, I, but the modern version of Caddyshack would be far more heavy on that. It would be about someone trying... This golf game would be yeah. about saving the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. Cause that, that actually is like... That would be a better follow-through with, with, with the themes of the film. Because it really is about, you know... It's, well, it's class. It's a class film. But it doesn't really finish off that no. way. No. So that's, that's my pitch for a remake of Caddyshack. That's a good idea. Is, is, is it becomes about old money versus new money... Versus the haves and the have-nots. Well, did you agree with me with that last scene where Dangerfield just all of a sudden yells, "We're all gonna get laid"? Did that seem like that was from like a longer scene, and they just like took that one line because it didn't really seem to fit with anything? Being chased and everyone away? cheering. No, it didn't make a damn. Like a, it feels like they tried a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, and that's just like at least that's a funny thing to end with, right? Well, this was notoriously like you know recut chopped down they went back and, and reshot a bunch of stuff uh, Except, with the gopher and yet they chiefly. couldn't pick up a night <laughs> shot of Bill Murray <laughs> with a gun or they couldn't get a better they couldn't do a, do a better like post effect where, where they could make it day for night like it's so obviously dead how do you go back to reshoot stuff and go no we're keeping that unless that was done during the reshoots oh god well there's also I noticed the, at the end when everybody is like you know, sort of tiptoeing after them during the golf game and like trading bets back and forth. There's like one shot where that one of the caddies, uh, who has that like Night Riders t-shirt or whatever. Yeah, how is he allowed to do that when everyone else had to wear club uniforms? Well, his t-shirts like I I noticed for like a split second his t-shirts like reversed. So obviously they were coming this way, and then they had oh realized oh no they're going that way. We oh, need, I missed we need, that. We need to use this shot over here. Yeah, like maybe maybe it was something where they had to build that idea in earlier. So let's just use this shot and flop it and put it over here. And so they're falling on this way across the golf course. Hilarious. It's just little things like that. Where you feel like, wow, they really kind of stitched this together. But it's also one of those things that, I mean, no I love, I love that as a filmmaker. Sure. Cause I go, Oh shit. Everyone pulls these little tricks yeah. and does these things that you hope nobody notices. Right. Or you just go, 
fuck no. Even though, even if you have money to make a movie, which this movie would have had some kind of a budget. Yeah. You know, they, they're still... Cocaine budget alone. Yeah. They're still pulling some shit out of their asses yeah. to make fixes because they screwed up. They didn't get the shot or they didn't get enough of this. You know, there's something that makes me feel better going, oh, right, we don't all, you know, have to save some stuff in the edit suite. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we do all. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no question. And I would love to... Well, now, see, I'm, now I'm desperate to read that making of book. I really want to pick it up. Because I want to know... I, w- I want the backstory now. I want to know what happened. It literally just came out, I think, in the last month. So it's Did a you- brand new book. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, who, who do you so, so so just continuing on as we as we wrap up oh, our this, classic this, yeah the, the remake of Caddyshack now so who, who's our cast well Danny McBride Danny for McBride sure. is great for the <laughs> we'll character yeah you know some up and coming oh, Zach Efron plays the young caddy that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah who plays the uh, who could who could pull off that kind of that Ted Knight Ted Danson. Maybe, but who? But that sort of that level of that level of like, buff, like sort of no, it's not arch, dance arch at all. buffoonery. Oh well, you'd have to change it. It wouldn't quite be that. No, it has to be something a little different. I can't think of who's sort of like a, who could be a good sort of old money. Who's an actor, older actor? I almost want to say Ken Jeong or someone like that could do it. Oh, okay. That's you go in a slightly different. That's interesting. A slightly different way with it. Yeah, actually, Ken Jeong could be the Dangerfield character, <laughs> and let and let him lean into like That's that terrible Chinese or Korean accent that he does. Yeah, well, he's such a, he is such an anarchic character, and you play and you and you can like almost play up him thro- making people become racist over this guy coming in and trying to buy up all the the, the area. Yeah, or it's like you know. Kevin Hart or someone like that. Like, it's just really the idea of, like, putting a putting a black character in the middle of this, like, very white, you know? Yeah, that's something, right? too. Yeah, like, that, that could be a really interesting way of bringing race into it in a very in a very direct way. Yeah. You know? I like that. Yeah. Because that, that would be really... That would be fun. I'm just trying, trying to think. Like, I feel like there could be a really... I feel like there's some older actor right now who really leans into that... The com- his comedy chops. It could be a good, a good Ted Knight. Well, who who would you see as the Chevy Chase character? Who's I mean, that- Joe McHale could play it, right? Well, Sam, you- Sam Rockwell. Did you see the uh, Did you see the the movie about uh, Doug Kenny? Who was yeah, from- he yeah. plays the Chevy right, Chase, which is exactly Chevy- why yeah. I thought of that. <laughs> and it's funny because when you watch the, him in the movie, you you can kind of see it. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the whole I think the casting on Community was ironic. Yeah, of having because. He was playing the role Chevy Chase would have played. Would have played if this was thirty years, years ago. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, Sam Rockwell. Yeah, would kill that part. Um, Bill Hader. That's it. yeah. I think Bill Hader. Bill Hader for me is like a modern. Oh, I know who it would be. Chevy Chase. I know who. Would, I know who would be the Chevy Chase part. Jason Sudeikis. Yes. Right. Hundred percent. That's who that would be. He, he just would be. He would just glide through it. Yeah. He 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 literally does play that character. Yeah. But uh, so then would it be like Alec Baldwin as the uh <laughs> as oh Alec Baldwin could work Someone as the like Ted that. Knight character. Or I always feel like he's done that too many times. Like I, I just feel there's somebody I feel like there's somebody who would be kind of like this untapped that hasn't quite done that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who, but I, mm. I yeah. And then Dangerfield 
Oh, we talked about Dangerfield. We said, yeah, yeah, but I think you definitely have to have to update that so it's about it's about race. I think I think that's a smart way to do it. You know that that they're confronted by this. These wasps are confronted because you've been. I don't know. Like I've been to these once or twice. Like to these very very. But I'd still but I'd and, still keep it set in the eighties. Oh really? Oh, that's a great idea. Why would why? First, I think that's just because I don't think I've ever seen a remake of a movie that kept it in, in the same. <laughs> Era. I think there's something interesting about that. Well, and then you can avoid all kinds of, you know, cell phones and social media. And yeah, I don't want to do that. No, I, no, I want to yeah. keep the purity yeah. of that. I love, I love the idea of the era and these... The, I like the, the way the teenagers are teenagers then. Yeah. You know, I don't... I love that idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, roommate Caddyshack, but keep it in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> That's my pitch. Yeah. Feel free to call me. Uh, I'm open to this. Here's, okay, wait. Here's my left field Ted Knight casting. Kenneth Branagh, when he does that in like full on sort of like cheeseball American actor mode, almost when when he plays that character in, in the second Harry Potter movie when he plays yeah that, yeah yeah you know. Here's my reverse left field pitch. Okay. Melissa McCarthy. That's interesting. That she that she would be the old money in the in the club, yeah. Maybe, maybe her husband died or something, and she's she's trying to maintain it. Yeah, I just feel like it's such a. It's, if you're sitting in the '80s, it's still so oh, right. patriarchal. Yeah, but I think you can still get away with bring it, her in, get her in there. Well, she, I mean, that's there's someone who could be the Dangerfield character. You could also do as opposed <laughs> to racism. You could do about yeah. women. Yeah, that would be really because like, just she's again like she's got that. Um, Tornado quality that has made. Yeah, I definitely want to put one put one of those characters as, as female. That's a great that that could be fun. That could be really fun. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of ways you could you could you could play with it and bring those ideas much more to the forefront. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's, that's just it. I think it's it's just that typical great yeah. classic '80s comedy when you start peeling back the layers, you go, oh, this could be about a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, you know? it's, and I think again that's got to do with just the the way it was shot. Like, you know, when you're in an altered state, <laughs> you know, and and probably cutting and pasting as you go. You know, those things, those if there were themes there to begin with, they are going to fall by the wayside so fast. Well, that's not what they were going for. No, yeah, you know, that that wasn't their prime directive in this. I wonder. I'm again. I'm curious. I know that that again. Like Doug Kenny, I think in the movie you see he really disowns it. it. It wasn't what he wanted to do. Maybe he did have like a smarter, more satirical take on it, or maybe not. Like you know, like yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Any other final thoughts? Um, I'm glad we watched it. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't make me cringe. Um, the way I expected it might a little bit, uh, and, and and I really loved there was that, and it set the tone early on for me to go, oh, I think I'm gonna dig this. Yeah, there's a great throwaway gag joke when uh, Chevy's with uh, the the caddy character, and he's like, are you on drugs? He's like, yeah. He's like, good. Yeah. <laughs> no, you take drugs every day. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Great. Good. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, yeah. That was a scene I'd seen before as well. There was like there's like three or four scenes that I that I definitely watched before. That but that it's so it sets the tone so nicely. And I love the fact that it's that one shot where literally it's like they're out on a line. Yeah, you know, it's it just seemed really it made it seem really effortless. And then also, but but you know what? That also felt felt like a scene that maybe was like somewhere else in the movie. 
And they just put it there. And they put it there. Like, maybe they already had a scene where he met him or something. It's, you know. This is a movie I feel like, like you said, it was, it was re-edited yeah. a lot. Probably yeah. because you can. You know, the, the, the real final thrust of the, this bet doesn't happen until the third act. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, it's, and then up until then, like, there's no real ticking clock. There's no stakes yeah. going on. It's just a lot of hijinks and, and but what they are doing in arcing are the the characters' conflicts and their relationships with each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're they're they're, you know, they're a set, little bit, a little bit, <laughs> yeah, not much. But they're setting up, you know, for the final showdown. Mm-hmm. So they're showing Dangerfield constantly pissing off Ted Knight. Yeah. Uh, He's that great joke where he says, "Hey, your boat scratched my anchor." <laughs> his anchor destroys his boat. Um, you know, so they're they're but they're just escalating. What they are doing is how these set pieces a little bit. Is at least they're escalating the conflict yeah. between these people, even though there's not much of a story going on. Because uh, even you don't you have that great opportunity to to set up the idea that Ted Knight's pissed off that Chevy. Ch- Slept with his niece, mm-hmm. but you don't even they never bring that in again. And you have to wonder <laughs> how know. much, yeah, but how much is left on the cutting room floor, or if it like really mattered. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it, it's true. Yeah, because these are all little threads that if you were remaking it, you'd want to make sure we're in there. Oh, but I, but you gotta imagine that there's a ton of stuff. Yeah, that uh, probably fits a lot of the stuff we're talking about that was just cut out because they went, who cares? Oh yeah, exactly. Let's, let's get let's, to the joke. Get get to the joke. Keep it moving. Keep it funny. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious. I'm, all right. I'm picking up this book. Yeah, I'm def- I, I I'm a hundred percent. I'm sold in this book based on watching this movie. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll read the book. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we'll meet back here. We'll meet back here and we'll, we'll for book club. Up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Thanks for joining us for Caddyshack. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter, at Jeremy, and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there, or an Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen to this thing. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby.